Welcome back into another episode of our Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Show. Uh, apologize profusely for skipping last week um, with Thanksgiving and everything and uh, all the Creighton events going on. It just got a little bit hectic and we just couldn't line up a time to spend enough time talking about volleyball. Um, so we decided to skip it and come back to you with a Big East tournament wrap-up and an NCAA tournament preview. So here we are. As always, I'm joined by Megan Ballinger. I'm of course, I am of course Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, and we are going to tackle Creighton's win over Marquette in the five setter uh, to win the Big East tournament title for the, I believe it's the ninth time in ten years. Because 2014 started that streak, right? So the only one, no, it's probably the eighth because it's not. You're missing one. It's not it's not aligned with the regular season titles. It's eight in ten years. That's right. Okay. So the eighth time in ten years. And then they got to host again. So for the fourth time they're hosting in the last since 2017, uh, they will host Auburn in their first round match. And then if they win that, they will advance to play the winner of Houston versus South Dakota on Saturday. So First match is Friday. Creighton's match is Friday at 6.30. And if they advance, they'll play at 6 o'clock, I think, on Saturday. Or maybe 6.30. Where did I write those times? No, it's 6.30 both times. You're right. Yep. All right, Meg. We'll start with uh, Marquette. Let's look back for, for first before we jump ahead to the Auburn Tigers. Um, how did you feel coming into this one? Off of... Off of what you saw in the matchup that happened in Milwaukee a week prior and seeing how Marquette and Creighton both played in their semifinal matches against Xavier and UConn, respectively. Like, how, how did you feel coming into this matchup? What were you looking for? How much of a chance did you give Creighton to be able to bounce back as quickly as they needed to bounce back off of a sweep? Well, I think, I mean, just looking back at their their match at Marquette, um, you know, everything statistically was pretty even except serve and pass. I mean, just breaking down the numbers, it was literally within one or two kills, digs, assists, and then the same amount of blocks. So in the big the big question there was Marquette had, I think, nine aces against Creighton, and Creighton had yep. several, you know, reception errors in that game against Marquette. So Really, when it came down to it, Marquette won serve and pass, no question. So, you know, I thought coming into it, if Crane could serve and pass really strongly, then, you know, they'd have a chance. Obviously, I think both teams have really good setters. They have a lot of parity. You know, they have big blockers. I mean, on paper, I think they're pretty evenly matched. It's just that serve and pass that's so important of getting your, you know, in-system um, attackers. So yeah, I just, you know, I thought they had a chance. Obviously I thought Marquette looked very, very strong. And then after that first set that Marquette took, I was like, Oh, like Marquette came to play. I thought they were really ready um, from get go from point one. Um, and Creighton was a little bit unsure. I thought a little bit timid at the end of set one, um, you know, and then they finally figured their way out of it. So um, it was a great match though. Really fun to be there. Really loud crowd. Um, NCAA type environment and that's why I kind of like the tournament um just being in the Big East conference yeah we have talked about that before that I'm anti-conference tournament you're pro for that reason um but yeah I had the same impressions of 
what 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 went sideways in Milwaukee and what needed to be better in the yeah, I guess the rubber match it wasn't the rematch the rubber match in Omaha because I just I, honestly even when thinking back to the Kentucky match I don't think the serve and pass game was that there was that much disparity between serve and pass and the Kentucky match I just thought Kentucky terminated at an insane clip like they even in system out of system they their athleticism and physicality was was off the charts the Marquette Creighton match the second one in Milwaukee to end the season that was probably the most the most I've seen Creighton get outplayed in that area from the service line I mean it's not just that Marquette had nine aces which I think was I think is a season high given up by the Jays um but it was that Creighton had no aces themselves so they weren't even they weren't so you can clearly tell that they were not serving aggressively and Marquette was, and then it just like that created the gap, right? Because if one team is going behind the line and going for it, and the other team is kind of, gosh, let me just get this in, then you're you're getting Marquette, who has a plethora of offensive options. You're keeping them in system quite a bit, and they're they're disrupting you and making you kind of a, a predictable offense with with basically just Nora coming off of a week off, right? So a little bit of rust maybe there. So it's basically just Nora for Creighton versus Marquette's. All of their options were going, and they were scoring from the service line, and Creighton wasn't. So that's kind of why that one went sideways. And it, it speaks to what Megan says on this podcast a lot and what Kirsten says every time she's asked about a key to the match. Serve and pass is where it starts, right? Like that's that's paramount for getting yourself, especially when most other things are even in terms of talent and physicality. Servant pass is a really, really important facet of the game that that probably gets overlooked on the stat sheet, but you can tell when it's when one team's dominating it, right? By the way the match is going. Oh, for sure. And I think I mean it's the base for everything that you want to do offensively, obviously. So even if a pass is, you know, in the middle of the core at 10 foot line range, like that's not good enough. You know, so I think really like high level elite teams are the ones that make serve and pass like look easy, although it's very difficult, you know, to consistently put that ball on your setter's head, you know, and get them in system. And I think if you watch setters, if they're moving around a lot, that's a pretty good indicator of, you know, something's not quite right um, in serve reception. So you just want your setter's job to be as easy as possible so that they can put, you know, your hitters in really good positions. So I think. If you're doing that at a high level, things will go really well for you. But um, as we saw in that Marquette match last weekend, it kind of fell apart a little bit for them there. And then, you know, everything kind of drops off. I think the level of like attacking and everything just kind of follows suit with how serve and pass is going. Yeah. And plus, if you're not handling first contact, well, if you're not winning first contact, I imagine your confidence dips. Because like you said, it sends out the chain reaction to everything else. So if, if you're getting overwhelmed in first contact where they're winning it and you're not handling it very well, imagine your confidence to win the point is not very high from a point-by-point -point basis. Um, and you know what? First set in Omaha in the Big East tournament title match was interesting too. So I felt like, I think like you said, I thought Marquette was pretty locked in in all phases. You know, they were they were terminating at a high rate. What did they terminate in, this, in set one? Let me check it out real quick. Um... 349 is what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, yeah, 349 to 049 was the first set hitting disparity there. So they were terminating in a high rate. I think most of Creighton's hitters had at least one, if not two, attack errors. Um, 
They had 23 digs, which is a, which is a lot for a set. Uh, they had four blocks. So, you, like, they were just, like, I felt like they came out ready to rock, and they played well in that first set in really all phases. So I was kind of curious how Creighton got themselves rolling. Because you saw Nora and Ava and Kiana start to get get a little bit more efficient as the match wore on, especially in that second set and later in that second set. Did you did you notice anything that changed about where they were hitting, what they were, what type of shots they were hitting? Why do you think in your in your estimation they were able to be more efficient from set two on than they were in set one when basically it was a little, it was I mean there were nine kills and seven errors and it seemed like they were having trouble putting the ball down. Yeah, I mean, I thought, personally, just watching it, I thought they got a little bit tentative at the end of the first set. Um, there was a lot more tipping, I thought, than there probably should have been. Um, so I thought two things. I thought they were more aggressive and took really good, you know, aggressive approaches and then went for the kill um, when they had it. And then they started attacking the line, I thought. And um, Marquette's libero is very good. So as much as you can keep that ball away from her and maybe get the setter and right back to play that first contact, I thought, Things were going to go well for that for Creighton because you could neutralize Marquette's then offense coming back at you and Marquette's middles were absolutely killing Creighton. So I think, you know, if you can get them out of the equation and you can kind of relax as a blocker and go more pin to pin, it's going to be a little bit easier to see. Um, but yeah, Marquette's middles were just crazy impressive, I thought. Um, really fast, like Twitch middles and um, Creighton, you know, in those first two sets, really wasn't even getting touches on their attacks either. So um, that was just absolutely killing them. Yeah, I think one thing that Creighton did better as the match wore on, especially second set on, was they started getting Marquette like out of system in transition more. I thought I thought both teams did really well in service for most of the night. I know there was eleven aces, but I thought um, I thought serve reception was was pretty solid for both teams. I thought they were in system quite a bit. I think in transition is kind of where Creighton had an edge. I thought they, I thought they could get, I thought they got more in system swings out of transition plays than out of dig transition than Marquette did. And I think that's, you know, most of their middle attacks, especially with, with Achanti, like she sets a, such a quick tempo ball too. Right. So really, if you're not lined up with that middle, it's going to be a tough ball to defend. I mean, you saw Creighton's back row get like drilled some of those shots because there's just there's just no blocker there to get a touch on it right so it's coming at you hard and i thought that when marquette was in system and anchanti was able to get a good tempo set to all of her hitters she was able to use the middle to you know quite effectively but in transition i thought creighton was in system more than marquette was i thought they were they were the better ball handling team out of transition they were giving you know kendra more options in those plays um, than Marquette was. I really thought Marquette was kind of predictable in transition. I don't. I actually didn't see their numbers finally, but if I had to guess, I would say that was kind of a just a, a difference in the match was um, Creighton's ability to to have multiple options in transition, whether it's the back row, or the pin, or you know if it's on the right side of the net, getting um, Kiana and Kiara going on the slide. Yeah, I think they did a good job in transition. Obviously, that slide was working for them. That's, you know, kind of their bread and butter of what they do with Kiana. Um, so I thought she was pretty efficient at that. Really low air. I mean, she had three airs. Um, so that's pretty good, I felt like. And 
Um, Kiara also, I thought she was up um, and she didn't get a lot of perfect sets, um, but she found a way to get yeah. the ball over and get kills or tool block and that sort of thing. Um, but she's continued to get better, I think, offensively, and that connection keeps getting better. So you have to respect her um, as a hitter. And I thought, you know, Marquette kind of was a little bit lost a few times um, when she was up there hitting. Um, but, you know, overall, I thought the middles on both sides were really active and it was kind of fun to mm -hmm. see a match where all hitters got involved consistently. Yeah, that was the wild part of it, right? It felt like everyone had about four options out there that they were, that had, they were going, right? So you felt like there were multiple, it wasn't just a pin versus pin showcase, right? It was like multiple hitters were options to score. I mean, both setters, I think what Kendra had three kills and then Chanti had four. So like even the setters were involved, you know, sort of a defensive standpoint that had to be held to try to figure out what was coming at you. Right. You know, what are you reading? How can you trust it? How much can you trust it? I, it was just an incredible match too. The one, the one thing that was very interesting and, and we remarked how, how sharp Marquette was in set one and the weekend prior in the, in the second matchup between these two teams, they were not sharp in the fifth set. And I think, <laughs> I think there was a point in the, in the fourth right about where they got the extra points. I think I just said in my, in my mind, I just felt like the cleaner team is going to win this match. I think both teams are just going for it right now. I think they're both in it to win it. I don't think anyone's shook up right now. feels like they're both playing with confidence. Um, I didn't feel that way after game three. I thought after game three, Creighton was the team that was clearly in charge. But at some point in set four, after Creighton got to the hot start, Marquette dug their way out of that and got the thing back to where it was basically a side-out game after that. And at about 24-24, 23-23, somewhere near end game, um, it felt like, I was like, you know, I think the cleaner team from this point on is going to, you know, hoist the trophy. And for some reason, once that happened, like Marquette just became really error prone. I don't know really how to explain it because they were playing clean up to that point, but they had, they had 11 service errors for the match. Five of them came in set five alone. And that's only a 15 pointer, you know? So they handed Creighton, I think they were about minus four in the, from the service line in set five and they lost by three. So really they handed, they handed Creighton the advantage in that. And why, why do you think that, why do you think they became so error prone from the service line after being so strong really for about two weeks against Creighton against from that area? Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I think sitting there, I like after this serve number three, I was like, all right, I'm going to start counting. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Um, And obviously, at one point, I was like, all of Creighton's points just about are off of Miss Serve. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe, you know, they're they're thinking about it too much. Obviously, you want to put in a really aggressive serve. But, um, you know, they missed a lot long, which I thought was interesting. Um, yep. But, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if it was just, you know, they're thinking about it too much. So, like, all right, we've got 15 points. And um, either that or they're just really – going for it and kind of lost control there but I think for them to have so many back-to-back -back errors obviously that hurt them and then mentally I think you know you're just like all right we can't catch a break um if you're on Marquette's yeah. side yeah. so and then you know Creighton <clears throat> took advantage I thought too and um even with five missed serves obviously that fifth set ended up pretty close at 15 12 um mm -hmm. so they continued to battle but yeah they just kind of lost that, that, that 
you know, that they had previously from the Serpentine. Um, yeah, I think it, to me, and I know I harped on this in the first, after the first matchup when they got reverse swept. And we obviously didn't get to touch on it last week when they bounced back and really blew Creighton off the, I don't know, out of the gym. So, and, and honestly, they were, they remarked about it in the, um, during the second matchup. They, sounds like the broadcast team did ask Coach Tice if there was like a mental block when the Jays are in the gym, you know, because you look at this, this, it's a it's a rivalry, but it's not right because it's it's the two best teams in the league every year, but there's still the gap because Creighton keeps winning these matchups at a at an absurd clip, right? So it's not it's not a rivalry in the sense that it's it's you know punch for punch. It's really just Marquette chasing Creighton like everybody else is. They're just the best team, at putting themselves in position to get three cracks at them. And so yeah. <clears throat> Maybe the mental thing isn't as big of a deal as I thought it was because they did bounce back when, you know, in that winner-take-all match for them. They had to beat Creighton or they weren't sharing the title. And they they had a great crowd and they fed off of it. And honestly, they outplayed Creighton from in an area of the game that Creighton doesn't usually get outplayed. Like, serve and pass is something that this program is built off of, right? So they don't get outplayed that dramatically. Um, very often. So for Marquette to do that, it was really impressive. And it takes some mental fortitude to pull that off because Creighton tries to put pressure on you. I just, I just can't, but I have to go back to it, man. Like set five, it's, it's, you're, you're walking out on the court for a fifth set and you know, it's for the, you know, it's for a championship. And I think they started serving some balls that they hadn't served all night. And I think pressure got to them. I think pressure got to them and it didn't get to Creighton. And I think that's mental. And I just think maybe it's maybe the gap isn't as big as I was as I thought it was when they matched up the first time and Marquette was up 2-0 and Creighton just basically blew him away after that. Um but I do think Creighton is the mentally tougher team. And I think it go I mean they train it first of all. I don't know how I don't know if Marquette trains it. I imagine they do, but I know Creighton does. And I know their players want those moments. You know, it's it's not something that they get into those situations and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, it's 23-22, time to execute. Like, they simulate that stuff. They're ready for it. And I think I, it, when I'm watching set five after, after how set four went down and, you know, how back and forth that was and how it felt like anyone could have won it, I think – the way set five went down was just basically about, I think Marquette tensed up a little bit. I think the moment got to them and I think Creighton wasn't afraid of the moment. And that's why they executed better than Marquette did. Yeah. I don't know how much set four kind of played into Marquette. You know, just like looking at trading points, but at one point in time, Crane truly had only two blockers in the front row, you know, when Sky McCune was in the front. So I don't know how much of that was like a frustration of like, we should be pounding this team, you know, like this should be a done deal. And it just took them obviously a while. Um, 
to get that one finished off. So yeah, I don't know if that part of it was just kind of like, all right, we should be, you know, our expectation is this, but it didn't end that way. And then did I interrupt that for a second? Because it just reminded me of something that Nora said in the post match. Was she said Yeah. They, she said they were extremely confident in 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 that they had this match basically, you know, that they weren't they weren't getting overwhelmed because they played a lot of the fourth with, like you said, Sky their DS in the middle. Like Sky's not a hitter, she's not a blocker, you know, she's a DS. So like I think that gave Creighton some confidence because they kept you know that it basically was side out, side out, side out with a with the, with the DS in the middle, right? I mean that's insanity, but I think it did give Creighton confidence in a weird way that Marquette couldn't put them away, despite how compromised Creighton was in that area, right? So you saw the same thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you see that across the net, you're like, I don't know if it was part of Marquette being like, oh, we got this, you know, like, let's relax. Like, this is not going to be that hard. We have no block over there. You know, it's a one-on-one block for our outsides and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, gosh, I just, I was surprised that Marquette, you know, just didn't go back to back quickly and finish the match Um, and just kind of expose the weaknesses of the blockers because as much as she was like up there blocking, she didn't block. So I just, I don't know. It was an interesting it was just a weird game. I think, you know, up until that point, I think you and then all of that happens and there was really only on the outside. Interesting. Um, ending, I think, you know, to end, end it that way and going to so many extra points too. Um, and then no, yeah, here's a fifth set and we need to take advantage. And um, Creighton was a team that, you know, took advantage, I thought. And, they were obviously the ones that motivated Yeah, you know, the other thing about this match, too, that I think, you know, is notable is Martin. And I don't you never know how freshmen are going to do as the stakes raise, but... Gosh, it seems like she's starting to figure out how to play without fear a little bit, and that's a big deal because obviously the skills, the skills and the athleticism are there. It's all about maybe how sustainable her confidence is from a point to point basis, right? Um, gosh, she looked like she was really confident throughout that whole deal, and that's that's a I think that's a big deal for Creighton because you look at, you know, the if you look towards the future a little bit, you realize like. You know, Nora and Ava are going to be, and then Kiana's coming back too next year, and Kiara as well. So you basically have those four, you know, in the fold for next season and beyond. And you're like, wow, um, that's a big deal because, you know, Ava's that when you have two pin hitters, it's just really difficult because you give Kendra so many options, whether, especially when there's six rotation pins too, because then there are options in the, out of the back row. And, you know, Ava for, <laughs> You know, her the biggest match she's played in, in her entire life, basically. Uh, you know, Big East Championship match, five setter against Marquette, who's a top fifteen program. And you go twenty two kills on three thirty three hitting. Um, you're just you're you're hitting aggressively, you're going for it. You're not you're not, you know, it doesn't look like you're playing like to lose out there or not to lose out there. You're taking aggressive swings. What what do you see from Ava that allowed her to be you know, so efficient, so potent in that match and not really kind of let the stage get to her 
you know, to any degree that would have caused her to go sideways and be error prone. Yeah, I, I think, you know, she's she did what she's been doing really, really well, you know, this far this season, um, just taking really aggressive approaches. And I mean, she swings really hard and elevates really well. I know we've talked about that, but, um, you know, it impressed me. I remember one specifically that was like set very tight and she went and like used the blockers. Um, and I think those things are like veteran plays, you know, that maybe a freshman doesn't always make. Maybe she's like you know, just hitting it into the block or doesn't know what to do and gets caught that way. And I think she did some things, um, you know, in this game against Marquette that I just was like, oh, you know, like she's really learned how to score different ways. Um, and I just thought that was impressive. And um, obviously she followed game plan really well too, you know, and attacked line when she could. She hit that high line really well um, to keep it away from Marquette's libero. So, yeah, I just, I mean, she's super impressive. Obviously, if it's a one-on-one -on -one block, you're almost always going with, yep, that's a kill, um, just because of how much power she puts behind her swing. Yeah, and let's, uh, I want to switch to Kiana, too, because, you know, her, Kendra, and Kiara really got that block going, especially in the middle middle sets. I mean, when you look at, I mean, they had six blocks in, Graydon had six blocks in, or six block assists in set two. Um eight and three, six and five. I mean, they were rolling. They got that block going pretty good. And I thought Kiana in, in particular, her, and especially when she combined with Kendra and Nora, I thought her touches got more forceful. And so I don't know if she was starting to read tendencies and got comfortable better as the match wore on, but I thought Creighton's blocking was much more effective as second set got rolling midway through and carried over through the last three games out of that one too didn't you think yeah you know just watching that first the first set especially where I just thought Marquette's middles kind of had free reign and it was like yep kill you know just at their will because no one was touching the ball um I thought Crane's blockers adjusted a little bit and um you know kind of had to commit block a little bit more just because of how fast the arm swings are for both of um, Marquette's middles I you know, I thought that was – it's a little bit different, I think, than what who Creighton has right now at their middle position. I don't think either of the middles, you know, really have that, like, really fast, like, whippy arm in the middle, and they don't attack in the middle of the court all that much. So I think it's a little bit different than what they see in their their practice gym all the time. Um, so I think it's just – you have to get used to that um, really fast tempo. And Marquette Setter is really good at pumping that ball into the middle, even if she's off the net too and you know then they're getting on it and swinging really fast so I think it's a little bit of an adjustment um you know it's like when do I need to actually jump it's kind of hard to time it when it's that fast um obviously there's a small window for error there um of when you need to jump and try to get your hands across the net but I thought they kind of figured that out a little bit more as a match went on yeah and explain commit blocking too because that's a little different than if you're if you're reading and reacting right commit blocking is basically you're making the decision before the setter does isn't that right yeah, I mean, you basically are just going to track the middle wherever they go when you commit block, and you're essentially, if they're jumping, you're going to get off the ground at the same time, you know, maybe a half a second afterwards so that you're up and ready, um, just because of how fast that tempo is um, to those middles. And both their middles elevated really well, too, I thought. So mm -hmm. if that, that was in a good spot, 
um, they're up there high and they have that fast arm and it's getting past blocks. And then um, the defenders obviously were trying their best to, you know, slide some body part under there and try to get a touch, but it just coming so <laughs> fast um, and such a short distance from the wing defenders, especially that it's hard um, to try to get touches on those balls. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that I, I, the block was incredible because they, they ended up with 13, but I thought they got far more touches and Mm-hmm. It was it, it. I think it was one of those where you talk about it being frustrating for a hitter when you just hit right into the wall and it comes straight back at you. Whether it goes down for a point or not is not the point. Is not the the main factor. Is that you didn't get that ball over the net right as a hitter. That's what you want because you want to create a problem for the other team defensively. You want them scrambling a little bit. And even if you don't put the ball down, if you get it through the block and hit it hard you're very likely to create an out-of-system opportunity for your opponent because the pass is probably not on the net. They're probably just, you know, lucky to get it up and then they're scrambling to kind of get the ball to get a swing off of it. But I thought Creighton's blocks, like, they, the ball, they did not let the ball get over the net very easily or very cleanly. So there's, you know, two factors to it. One, they were able to cover a lot easier. And the other factor was I thought Marquette's confidence hitter-wise, kind of dipped a little bit, just enough for Creighton to, you know, to be able to create scoring opportunities in transition because Marquette in system is deadly. But if Creighton's block is, you know, doing what they need to do in terms of their setup and their timing, I thought that changed a lot of the way the match was going because, you know, the sets weren't – the the swings weren't as clean. They weren't getting through as much. And what – Creighton's block didn't get used very often. It didn't get tooled very often. So whether they were getting solo stuffs or just good touches for their defense, for their for their you know DSs to handle, um, I thought it, it it got Creighton into the match and it got Creighton. It, I think it allowed them to take control of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I think that was the the big difference in set one. Like very few touches. It was just like. All right, to the floor, like no question, right? No body, nobody touches it in the back row, nobody touches it in the front row. And those are things that you don't see a lot, um, you know, from Creighton. They're usually able to get some sort of touch. Um, obviously, they have really strong defenders in the back row, too. So usually, you know, somebody's trying to get a hand on it. But yeah, I mean, just to even get a touch on those middle attacks and those pins, slow it down a little bit. And then Crane obviously does a great job in transition. So if they're able to get that ball even anywhere, you know, up towards the middle front part of the net, I think you're going to be in a good position because of all your hitter options. So now they uh, did you how did you feel about their chances to host? Did you feel like that match basically sealed it or was there some angst as you got ready for the selection show on? Um, I mean, I think we knew, obviously, Marquette was probably a lock to host um, prior to going into that match. Um, And so I was like, there's no way that Creighton's not going to host, you know, and Marquette will after looking at that head-to-head game, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I thought they had a really good chance um, to host, you know, Obviously, who knows? I thought it just being a day before the selection show might have been, you know, I don't know if they had their minds made up and that sort of thing, the committee. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's impressive that both Marquette and Creighton are hosting. I think that's probably how it should be after watching that game. Obviously, oh, two sure. high-level teams. So, yeah, um, I think they're in good positions, both of them, and where they're at in the bracket. Yeah, those are interesting little draws. I think Marquette's is a little tougher. Georgia, yeah. Tech's, Georgia Tech's really good. I think that's who they'd play uh-huh. in the second round if they get through them. Uh, Georgia Tech is really, really good. 
And and honestly, like just looking ahead for Creighton a little bit, South Dakota and Houston are really good too. But Creighton's kind of handled South Dakota, you know, historically. And yeah, I'm just not sure I have a great read on Houston yet. Like, cause they just don't play. Yeah. Their their schedule isn't like terribly daunting. And I think that's kind of why they're not hosting this year is because I mean, I think they only lost two matches all year. But uh, I, I just think that schedule kind of hurt them because they otherwise I think they would be a lock to host in, in a normal situation had they played a, a little bit tougher of a schedule or gotten one more marquee win. Um, <clears throat> but I think that Creighton, if Creighton and Houston play each other, I think that's going to be an interesting match because I think both teams have had really, really good years and have a lot of talent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if that's the matchup in the second round. But you can't get to the second round unless you win the first one, right, Meg? So the Auburn Tigers are first on the schedule for the Jays. Uh, that will be underway at 6.30 on Friday at EJ Sokol Arena. And, yeah, I watched a little bit of Auburn today. I watched a couple of their matches. Um, they're really young. They are really young. I'll give them that. I think they have two upperclassmen on their roster, and both of them are juniors. So it's it's a really really young roster, and I think when you I think the all all freshman team in the SEC have seven players on it, three of them are from Auburn. So they're young and they're talented, but they did, I just they didn't play a tough non-con at all and walked through it. So they got themselves to eighteen and two through the first twenty matches, and then the rubber rubber met the road. And most of the top teams in the SEC kind of handled them a little bit. And I, I honestly, they were one of the last teams in, according to the selection committees, you know, the selection show. So, yeah, I think that's that makes sense that they were one of the last teams in because their schedule and their quality wins aren't that impressive. But 21 wins with a young team, that's something to, you know, to hang your hat on. And then they've got size. I mean, they are really they are a really big team. So from a matchup standpoint, there's an advantage there because they're a really good blocking team with their size. I think they are second in the SEC in total blocks, uh, fourth in opponent hitting percentage. You know, I think they're a top thirty blocking team in the country. So that size does come through, and um, you know they're kind of led by Kendall Kemp, who's a freshman. She's at one point five blocks per set. She's six foot six. And if you're wondering what six foot six looks like on the floor, I she doesn't have to jump to be over the net. So that's the impressive part, right? So Creighton's got to deal with that both offensively because she hits 329. She's averaging about just under two kills per set, and she's also averaging 1.5 blocks per set. So um, she's imposing for sure. As a freshman especially, I think she's going to – I mean – that's that's gonna be a really interesting team to watch how young they are. Um the two uh they have one six rotation pin hitter, Tasha Anderson. She's their you know leader in kills at three point six, but she hits under two hundred. She's you know, averaging about one point eight digs. Um she has twenty seven aces on the year and she's about a half a block per set. So she's six three, uh, six six foot three, six rotation, and then Madison Shear is a six foot one. Uh, front row pin hitter. Um, she's a three rotation pin hitter. She's averaging just over three kills per set, hitting about two fifty, and is a pretty good blocker too. Um, so they're big, they're big and they're young. 
how do you think Creighton attacks that? Because Creighton has a little bit more diversity in terms of style of play because they have, they're a better passing team. They're a better serving team, but they're not as big as this team is either. So how does that matchup usually go in your mind when it's basically size versus, you know, you know, kind of an array of skills? Yeah, I mean, I think Crane's biggest strength there is their parity, you know, against a big block. I think if you make people move, um, obviously it's a little bit harder to get block touches and ace blocks on you. Um, so I think that, you know, part of it is going to, you know, be really important. And obviously that comes back to serve and pass. Um, so, you know, if they're passing well, getting Kendra in system and have a lot of options, I think you can kind of neutralize those blockers a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, to average, I think it's what just over two and a half blocks per set is really impressive. And, um, Creighton's, I think just above two per set. So Creighton's continue to get better in blocking too. Um, but yeah, it looks like Auburn maybe has a little bit of an edge, um, in that regard. So yeah, I think just getting a lot of people involved, um, you know, getting Kendra involved, having an active setter, making those blockers have to guess, um, and go with her, you know, maybe they commit block when she's in the front row. Um, if she's super active, I think all those things will be really helpful for Crane. So this, is this, is this where kind of Kiana, Kiana's high swing, you know, efficient slide play comes into, can she like, is it, is that something that can, can neutralize a six foot six block? Because like you said, Kendra's an option. Um, Kiara is an option, obviously Nora. So like, can can is Kiana's swing something that can is like kind of tailor made to handle a big physical block like like a Kendall Kemp who's six foot six and doesn't need to jump to get over the net like her hands are already there, um, but like you said all year like Kiana swings high and mm-hmm. she cuts a good angle like it doesn't seem like blocks face her very much but this is six foot six is that different at all or is that something that you think the slide play is is kind of made to expose a little bit. Um, you know, I think obviously she's in a, you know, Kendall Kemp is in a middle position. So I think if you're making her moves, go close to you on a block and you're swinging high, I think good things can happen. The thing you don't want to do is run straight into her because obviously for her, that's, that's easy, right? She's a big block, doesn't have to move. That's, that's her bread and butter type of, you know, block. Mm-hmm. That's easy. So I think as much as you can make her move and I think that slide's going to be really important. And then, yeah, we've talked about how Kiana swings really high, um, and obviously, you know, she's going to be high over the net. So you have a lot of area to hit high hands um, and tool and that sort of thing. So I think that's that's the fun part. As long as Kiana continues to swing high and doesn't bring that ball down, um, I think good things will happen. Yeah, it is going to be interesting because it feels like Creighton's got the edge offensively. Um, when you look at, you know, that – like we just talked about the four, right? When you have Nora, Ava – Kiana and Kiara that are all coming in pretty confident, honestly, in jazz too. And, you know, Keely Davis didn't play last weekend. Um, but it sounds like she's expected to be back for the NCAA tournament. So that's, I mean, Creighton's got a lot of options, probably more offensive options than Auburn's going to have. Uh, they can go deeper into that, that hitter core, if you will, and, and do different things, especially with jazz being left-handed, they can do different things uh, to attack Auburn's block. So, I kind of go, I don't want to be too cliche, but I kind of go back to what you guys, what you always harp on and serve and pass. And I think Creighton's got at least on paper and at least what I've seen in the two to two and a half matches I've seen of Auburn now is that Creighton has a pretty stark advantage in 
in the serve serving and passing game. I think they're they just have I think their DSs are better. I think their servers as you go deep into the serve rotation are more consistent. And yeah, I just think Creighton's gonna have an advantage there, especially being in their own gym because they're gonna feed off the energy of their crowd too. And I think that 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 helps Creighton kind of get into that mojo of being fearless and going after it. I think they feed off of their home crowd probably more than, you know, most Creighton teams have. I think they, they're, they're a different team in that gym. And so I think that's going to be an area of this match where, where Creighton has kind of a stark advantage. Don't you think just the, the ball handling, the serve receive, um, staying in system and all those options, I think is going to be hard for uh, Auburn to, to block consistently. Yeah, I think, yeah, just the parity, obviously. And then we've talked about how they're great in dig transition. Um, so I think those things are going to be really important. Um, you know, just looking at dig numbers too, Crane's averaging, I think, almost four more digs per set than Auburn. So I think yeah. some tenacious defense is definitely going to um, help Creighton and just keeping balls up. I think you frustrate hitters that way. Um, so, yeah, them just being able to keep points alive and um, finish off those rallies, I think Creighton maybe has the upper hand um, when you look just at kind of who Auburn has in their personnel um, list mm-hmm. and everything. One other thing I noted about Auburn, too, is they kind of leave the back row a little bit more exposed than most teams Creighton, especially Marquette. Marquette didn't leave the back row exposed a whole bunch. You know, they cover a lot of ground. They're, they're really good defensively. It feels like Auburn kind of just leans into their size and I guess – you know, it's a little bit of a gamble, right? They figure basically if you can get it through us, you know, that back row is there for you to score, but we're kind of giving you that area because we don't think you can get through our, you know, because our pins are big, our blockers are big, and we they kind of use that size to their, you know, to, to as much of effect as they can have, right? But what do you think Creighton can do to expose that part of the floor? Because that's kind of what St. John's does, right? They kind of just, they kind of just leave the back row, you know, open territory. If you can get through their block, then you can score on them. Um, how does Creighton, how does Creighton uh, utilize that to great effect? Like what's the strategy there from a hitting standpoint and from Kendra's standpoint and being aggressive? Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to come down to, you know, watching film and just kind of seeing like where their defense is set up um, and how well they move like front to back, especially when you're going to maybe throw in a roll shot or a tip and that sort of thing. Um, you know, that's something that Marquette, you know, I thought like their off blocker came over and got a lot of like roll shots and that sort of thing. You know, a lot of those didn't fall, but maybe Auburn's a team, you know, you have a big block. Maybe you need to switch it up a little bit. You know, maybe you need to just roll it over um, or, you know, or throw it down the deep line or maybe their block is kind of blocking the view of, you know, Crane's hitter and then it's an easy tip over. So I think those things will be important, just kind of knowing like, where defenders are and how well they move, um, you know, forward, backward, side to side, that sort of thing, taking advantage of corners, um, especially for like Kiana on a slide. I think maybe that deep like cross corner is going to be, you know, a good place to hit for her. Um, a lot of times sure. defenses have troubles hitting that or digging from that position. So yeah, I think just kind of playing with your defenders and um, keep it on their toes, um, making them move. Mm-hmm. I think as much as you can make defenders move, it's going to, going to help you score. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how that goes because, you know, two of the matches I watched were Arkansas, and Arkansas is a big physical team too, so maybe Auburn was, you know, trying to match up with that as best they could. But they, uh, you know, there were some rotations where they had the six-foot, you know, Akasha Anderson is 6'3", 
and they've got her kind of at left back, and then they've got six foot six Kendall Kemp in the middle, and it just feels like they their the range isn't there to cover the whole floor. And Arkansas was able to score, you know, away from Anderson and away from Kemp. Like there were open spots on the floor for them to to go line or to you know go middle cross court and hit different zones that weren't really you know where the libero couldn't cover the whole thing. I don't know if that's something Auburn did based on that matchup, but I ha- I don't think it's all that dissimilar from the way Creighton can attack them too, because Creighton has a lot of options as well. So you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be committed to the net because Creighton can put the ball down in different zones with their different hitters, um, and they're dangerous all the way across the net. So, yeah, I'm curious. I know, uh, you know, Auburn's head coach used to be USC's head coach, so they are one and one. He is one and one head to head against Creighton. They won a five setter in uh, out there in Cali. I think your junior year, and then you guys beat them in Omaha in four sets your senior year. So those are the two head to head matchups with this with this head coach. So he's at Auburn now, um, but I just feel like it's going to be a matchup of size versus kind of not that they're not skilled, but I think Creighton's more skilled and more diverse with their skills. Like I think they can pass better and serve better, and I think they have you know, options out of the back row and front row and then with the slide and the pin. Like, so I think Auburn's going to have to commit to the net with their size like they did in, you know, most mostly through SEC play. And I think there's going to be openings for Creighton's hitters to be, as you say, to be shoddy and to, to mix things up and to find open spots on the court, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think I think you're probably right in you know that aspect. I think Creighton's obviously backcourt defense plays at a really high level. Um, their blocking can has continued to get better, and I think they're at a they're at a good point in the season where you know you're expecting to get several blocks to set or get really good block touches. And then obviously the parity. So I think it's just a really well rounded team. Um, you know, and Auburn I'm sure will have their hands full trying to figure out kind of the game plan. Um, you know, considering there's so many options for Creighton to score. So that's the first matchup, uh, first round matchup. That's at 6.30 on Friday. The uh, South Dakota and Houston will be at 3.30. I'm really curious to see that one because those are two teams that are kind of, you know, they're really, really good. They win a lot, but they're kind of under the radar. So that's going to be an interesting little matchup there. Um, I think Houston won the automatic bid out of the AAC. I don't know how – they, they split with UCF, so I'm not sure what the what the tiebreaker was there. Um I think they lost in five and one and four, so maybe that was the tiebreaker, right? I guess sets sets play, um, or sets one, excuse me. Um, so yeah, they won the automatic bid out of the AAC, and then South Dakota won the automatic bid out of the Summit. So you know, you're dealing with three teams that are automatic qualifiers that are playing well right now. Auburn's kind of the outlier; they're not really they haven't been playing well for about a month, but their competition has also been really stiff. They probably you could probably say they've played the toughest schedule. Mm. I'm trying to think how I even want to go there because Creighton's played Marquette twice. Um, yeah, you know, I will give them the edge because Auburn's played Kentucky twice and Florida once. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give them the edge that they've played a tougher schedule than the other four, other three teams. But they aren't – you know, they've lost – they're three and six in that in the last month and a half. So they're not coming in terribly confident um, the way Creighton, South Dakota, and Houston are. So it'll be an interesting weekend, you know, because – it's like you said, this is like third season, right? Is that what you call it? You know, when it just, it just everything resets and Auburn's probably got a lot of energy from making the NCAA tournament. I think it's the first time they've made it since 2010, 2012, one of those. 
It's been a while. And they're all freshmen. They're all young. Like, this is, you know, they're probably going to be going in really confident. Like, what do we have to lose? You know, no one's expecting much out of us because of all the things yeah. we've highlighted here right now, you know? Um, so, yeah, what do you think the main factors are in terms of preparation now? Because we talked a lot about how, you know, should Creighton go on the road versus should they host? <laughs> I think I think as the season went on, I, I've, I – my conclusion is that this team plays better at home, so I think they they should kind of go for the hosting bid and be happy they're at home. Um, I think they 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 play well in front of that home crowd, so I think they should be in a good in a good place mentally to be hosting. Um, and I think they're hungry too because they've been more outward with their, you know, in saying that they don't want to go two and done again, you know, because they, they it's been a while since the, since you guys made that Elite Eight run, and I think they don't want that to be too far in the rearview mirror anymore. So they're motivated by that. And uh, yeah, I don't know, but what in your in your mind and your experience and going through this, you know, you've been you went through it twice on the road, you went through it twice at home. What are the keys to getting yourself ready for this week? What do you have to focus on? What do you have to put on the back burner? Oh man. I think, I mean, you just have to treat it like another game, right? I mean, it's hard to do, but I think just treating it, you know, you go through your routine, obviously. Um, and I know I heard them say, or I knew that they were going to stay in a hotel, um, yep. mm-hmm. for this, um, kind of a different approach, I guess, just because it hasn't gone well, um, when they've hosted previously. Um, so I think just treating it, you know, like a road game, if you can obviously spend time with your team, I think to shut out a lot of the noise is important. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of buzz um, just around Creighton Athletics, too, like this week, oh, yeah. just all the success of teams and everything. And yeah, to host an NCAA, you know, or two NCAA matches on campus is obviously a big deal. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's exciting now, but I think you go in and you try to get better this week in practice. Um, study Auburn because obviously it's a team you're very unfamiliar with. Um, yep. You know, I'm assuming a lot of them haven't watched any, you know, maybe one or two matches maybe but probably not Mm -hmm. um yeah so i think just you know kind of studying film and um it's it's really the fun part of season though and it's a it's the part that you play for um Mm -hmm. you know and you look forward to at the beginning of season um you know and you kind of took care of what you needed to and so now you're at the fun part and that's the part you know you can just play free hopefully um have a lot of fun um it's gonna be great i'm sure they're gonna have great crowds so yeah it's all the fun part of season and um, you know, they should look forward to it and um, take advantage, you know, play great volleyball. Hopefully, you know, they're hitting their stride and going to hit mm-hmm. their peak here in the next week. I think it was, I think last week was big for them, too, to play well, you know, because you come off that after getting swept by Marquette where you didn't really play your game. It's not like they mm-hmm. swept you where you were at, you know, anywhere near your best. So that hurts a little bit more, right? Because you're like, well, you know, we got to get that back at least. If we're going to fall, if, we're, if they're going to come into our gym and beat us again, we at least want it to be on our terms, not theirs. So I think them playing well last weekend, I think they got themselves kind of in NCAA tournament mode, don't you think? Like the way they played, regardless of if they had won the five-setter or not. Yeah, and I I mean, I think that's why I like the tournament style. Like it's just, you know, it's like you either get a trophy or you don't. And I think that mm. feeling is very motivating. So, I mean, you're at the end of a tournament, obviously. Um, you only had to play two matches in the tournament, but still, I yeah. think, to play that really competitive match against a team that is obviously very high level, another top seed in the tournament, I think it gives you mm-hmm. confidence. Um, 
and just to have to battle to, you know, anything can happen in the NCAA tournament. Um, obviously any team can win and it's that point in season where every team's going to bring their A game. Um, and I think that's what they saw when they played Marquette. So, mm-hmm. you know, just to have kind of that atmosphere and also get the atmosphere of like, you know, a packed stadium, it's loud, the fans, you know, at the game at Marquette were pretty rowdy, pretty vocal and that sort of thing. So I think it kind of mimics that energy that they're going to see. Um, and if they're comfortable, you know, in that environment, obviously it's at home, but it's a little bit different. Like when you're playing Marquette versus if you're playing maybe a different team in conference at home. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a good experience and hopefully it helps them, you know, hopefully they play really well at home um, and things go well for them. Yeah. I mean, Keon, I think I, I even asked them in the presser, all the players, like if they would, if they wished the Marquette match was easier, if they liked that it was hard and they had to dig deep and across the board, it was like, no, this is why <laughs> this is what I this is what I play for. I want I want I want all of them to be like this. Um, and I think Kiana even mentioned like this is what get this is like this felt like an NCAA tournament match tonight. You know, mm-hmm. Marquette's really good. You know, every point was really important. The energy in the building was, you know, on ten or eleven, and it felt like this is like this is NCAA tournament prep right here. Regardless of how it goes, like this is getting us ready for next week. So yeah, they completely echoed everything you just said right there, and. It makes sense because they're cut, they're cut from the same cloth in terms of competitiveness and and the level they've been playing at throughout your career and their career. So, um, spot on. Uh, that's really all I got from left in the tank. There, I watched a lot of Auburn today, so I kind of forgot what Peyton Marquette was like. <laughs> I kind of want to go back and watch that again now. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. You got anything in the tank? No. Get your tickets, everyone. That's right. Yeah, pack the pack the place out. There's a lot going on this week. It's gonna be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, men's soccer's at Duke on, I believe Saturday. I think it's a Saturday afternoon match. I think is what it is. I should probably check before I tell people that stuff out loud. Yeah, I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. It's gonna be a busy week though. Sorry, this is the annoying part where I'm looking something up on the podcast. <laughs> It'll be December now. We get to say goodbye to November. Mm-hmm. All right, so Thursday is men's basketball at Texas, so number seven versus number two. That's at 6 o'clock in Austin. And then Friday is volleyball, doubleheader. South Dakota and Houston are at 3.30 at DJ Sokol Arena. And Creighton-Auburn is at 6.30. And the women's basketball team is in a top 25 matchup that night, too, at Villanova at 6 o'clock. That's Creighton is 13th, Nova is 25th. I believe they only have one loss between them at the moment. So that's going to be crazy. Saturday men's soccer at Duke. I don't see a time for that, so never mind. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah, and then hopefully if Creighton's successful on Friday, they'll be playing a second-round match at 630 at DJ Sokol Arena as well. And then... Sunday is men's basketball versus Nebraska at 3.30. So a wild, wild week of Clayton <laughs> Athletics. So it continues on. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Um, always appreciate you guys following the show, interacting and everything. Um, hope you all have a great, had a great Thanksgiving and get ready for get ready for Christmas now right around the corner. Hope to see you at Sokol. And, um, yeah, so for Megan Ballinger. I'm Matt DeMarinas. Hope you all have a good week.